Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Let's have a seat. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. <laughs> Let's turn to the first epistle of John. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Praise you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hmm. Amen. <laughs> I'm still... My heart is, is, is indicting. What does it say? My heart is indicting a great matter. <laughs> In the sense of where are we going? And Anyway, praise the Lord. All right, let's turn to the first epistle of John chapter 2. And we're just going to go from there. Does anybody have a question in their heart that is pressing? Hmm? Anybody has a question pressing in their heart? All right. First John chapter 2. I'm heading to verse 27. However, let's pick it up in verse 20. But you have an unction, an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all. You know all. Then there's the word things in italics. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all. I wish I could have picked up from last Sunday, but thank God for last Sunday. Was last Sunday wonderful? Yes. You missed it. You missed a big one. It was, it was, anyway, it was outstanding. You missed it. <laughs> no, the prayer and stuff that is after is not on there. The, the things that happen after. Oh, you got it. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> anyway, but um, you have received an, an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, I know we whenever we think of Christ, and I don't want to really go there, but I'm just going to pull this from there, because I'm just going to follow the Holy Ghost here. Christ is the person, who, and, and he, it is Christ that dwells in us, but Christ is also, um, it's the life of God, and the nature of God, so we have that nature in us. Christ, and because it's the nature of God, Christ is also righteousness. The nature, of, the nature of God in us is righteousness. And then, of course, eternal life and so on. But Christ is also hmm, the anointed one and his anointing. <laughs> in in um, Matthew chapter 16, just for a moment, here is Jesus, and Jesus said to them, who do men say that I am? And, they, you know, they give their various answers, and then, of course, Peter spoke up. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then he said, Peter, you know, I changed the name, etc., etc." And then he went on to say, upon this rock I will build my church. This revelation of me 
that you're going to have this revelation of me, of Christ. Upon this rock, I am going to build the church. And there is the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not be able to withhold it. The reality and the revelation of who I am, which is Christ, the anointed one, the nature of God, righteousness, eternal life. And then, of course, and then, of course, it, it, it went on, and, and then um, and he began to show them what was to come, him going to the cross and so on. And then Peter, 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 Peter said, you know, when he said, I'm going to go to the cross and these other things, Peter says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And then Jesus turned around and says, get thee behind me, Satan, because you, you, you are favoring or, or you're desiring the things of men, not the things of God. You're concerned about what's the benefit for you. What's, the, what's it from a man's standpoint? What's the benefit for man? And, um, but in that whole communication, Jesus was literally saying, oh, that left one very important piece out. He says that for, uh, um, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and this is the revelation that the church is going to have, on which the church is going to be built, and that is the revelation of me, who I am. But then he also says, I give to you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth, whatever you allow on earth is going to be allowed. Whatever you permit or whatever you don't permit, this is the kind of authority. In other words, you are going to be as I am. You are going to be as I am. Wow. Think about that and it's just right there. You're going to be as I am. You know, here's a nice statement. I am said that I am, therefore I am. Amen? You're going to be as I am. You're going to be my voice. You're going to be my hands. And I am the incarnate word of God. Jesus uphold all things by the word of his power. And he says, you are going to be as I am. And whatever you allow on earth is going to be allowed in heaven. Whatever you don't allow, whatever you do not permit is not going to be permitted. He says, that's the kind of authority that you are going to walk in. And that there is just a little glimpse of righteousness. It's a little glimpse of righteousness. And that's not something we could possibly earn. Think about it. And then he said, but then of course Peter said what he said, and Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. And he says, because you are an offense, not to the world, but to me. You are an offense to me. You are, you are, you are a trick and you are a trap that is to try to seduce me to look out for me. So that, because if Jesus is putting himself first, I mean, why would he want to go to the cross? Amen? So he says, you are an offense to me. And that's what the devil's objective always was, to see if he could get Jesus to defend himself, look out for himself, if you be the son of man. But Jesus refused to do that. That's why, as, as I said, he, he was led to the lamb. He was led to the slaughter and opened not his mouth. He did not defend himself. Now, but Jesus also went on to say in Matthew chapter 16, because don't forget he was saying, here it is. You are going to be like me. You're going to be my body. You're going to operate in my authority. And then, of course, Peter spoke what he spoke. That was not good. Jesus rebuked it, which rebuked the spirit that he was yielding to, the spirit of offense. And then Jesus immediately went on to say, in essence, and this is around Matthew 16, 26, 5, in that area, 
he, he basically went on to say, um, he said, if you, if you want to be where I am, you must deny yourself. Isn't that right? And of course, there are many scriptures, take up your cross and follow me. What he was saying is, you are, in other words, for you to be and function as me, for me to have that freedom in your life, for you to operate in this authority of binding and losing, for you to be truly my representative, you cannot yield to that spirit of offense. You cannot yield, yield to this, what is in it for me. You cannot yield to that. Because if you yield to that, then you're not going to be as I am. That's very important. And hence, of course, the reality of the sacrifice of Christ is that we've been crucified with Christ so as to put an end to us so that the life that we could now live is the life of Christ. All right. But there is a, the, the, the challenge of our faith is to continually see ourselves in that oneness with him. That's the challenge of our faith. Amen? And, 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 and I have this thing in my head, <laughs> this, this temptation to go out of a particular part when I'm thinking, you're not ready for it. I don't know, I don't know if I'm even ready to preach it, really. Right? But anyway, this is the purpose of God that we might, this, and this is a challenge for us to stay in this oneness. But in the meantime, in the very church world, there are so many forces that are designed to keep you out of functioning in that oneness. Not just the authority, but just the oneness of the life of Christ out of which will flow the authority, the rights, the freedom from condemnation, shame, and all of these other things. There's errors that are there. But you see, if we could recognize Christ, the anointed one, and this oneness, then um, 1 John 2, 20, we believe it, which is you have received an unction, an anointing. You have received Christ. And by the way, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You have received Christ, who by the way is the wisdom of God and the power of God and is made unto you righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is the wisdom of God. You have the wisdom of God. You have the man of Christ. You know all things. So if we would bind ourselves to this reality that it's Christ in us and there is this oneness and that is the anointing, then we can easily receive that we have received an unction from the Holy One and we what? Know all. But that's wild. But it is true if you could bind yourself to that reality. And that's what the whole righteousness is about. Because this is what God wanted. This is what, this is what it was always about. You see, our identity is so much locked up with our humanity when in fact, and, and, and I mean, and when in fact the very purpose of the sacrifice was to take you out of that human identification of race and color and, and black and white and male and female and education and this and that and, and, and to redeem you out of every tongue, out of every kindred and put you in God so that you're redeemed unto God. God, you know, it's not humanity, it's not, it's not human nature, it's, the, it's eternal life. It is the life of Christ, it is the life of God, it is the nature of God that he has called us to. He has called us to eternal life. And this fight that we have is to stay in that oneness. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12, fight the good fight of faith that you might what? Lay a hold of eternal life, that you might stay in the nature of God. 
The verse before it, verse 11, says about pursuing righteousness, going after this oneness. Jesus says, seek first, go after that. Anyway, so, but, but, but you need to know that, and this is not going to lead me, so let me deal with it. Here is one of the, the here is one of the, um, one of the biggest, hugest, <laughs> deceptive forces in the body of Christ. Even among the most respected ones. And it is this. It is that somehow your conscience that you are supposed to discern between good and evil. And that is what your conscience is about. You're supposed to, and that is a deception. Because when the fall took place, the very essence of the fall and the very deception of, this, of it was if you eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to be like God. You're going to be able to make all your own moral judgments and everything else. You're not going to need God. Isn't that right? In other words, it was about this issue of choice. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, as new born-again people, we aren't supposed to operate from choice. We operate from obedience. And I, and I hear why this is coming up. It's because of verse 27 that is coming. We are supposed to operate from obedience. Today, if you hear my voice, what does it say? Today, if you hear my voice, what are you supposed to do? Okay. Obey. Now, it does not say today, but, but it says today if, you, today, if you hear my voice, hard note, not your heart. In other words, the moment you hear his voice, there is this force that comes to harden your heart. What does that mean? Today, the moment you hear his voice, do this, do that, you immediately, what happens? Choice. Should I? Should I not? What's in this for me? What is this going to cost me? Is this God? And we get into this big choicing, this choosing. So that immediately, you see, and we might be even led to the point of being deceived that if you make the right choices, you're going to please God. Is that what the Bible says? Without what? Faith. Faith. It is impossible to please God. Obeying God is what pleases God. Can you imagine, here is Paul. Paul gets, gets, gets stoned, beaten up, and everything else. And God tell him, go back there in the city and preach to them the words of this book. Immediately, what should happen? He should harden his heart and think, wait a minute. Oh, you know what he's talking about? They just, they just stoned me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to even be alive. Like, what do you mean by book? You see, you see what I mean? Right? That's not obedience. So he says that when you hear his voice, you got to learn to obey. And even though I can't get into the conscience stuff too much, the fact of the matter is, the same way you've got the mind of Christ and you still have to do something about your, renewed, about your natural mind that needs to be renewed, the same way, the Bible says, I think it's in 1 Peter chapter 3, 20 maybe, 
that you've got a conscience. When you got born again, mm -hmm. when you got born again, your conscience has been, let me quote it to you because actually it's also, it's also different in different versions. When you got, you got a new conscience that came up out of resurrection. Amen? First Peter chapter 3, verse, verse 20. By which also he went and he preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Verse 21. The life figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Conscience by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, when you and I got born again, and, we got, uh, and that old man was crucified, and you and I were raised up together with Christ, and we were now given his life, that life of Christ. There is a conscience connected up to that, to that new man. Where does that new man live? Where does he live? In Christ, in God. In fact, he is so much in Christ and so much in God that it says in 1 John 3 and verse 9 that it is impossible for him to sin because the seed of God remains in him and he cannot sin. Isn't that right? He is so much in God that the Bible says he's created in righteousness and true holiness. He's so much in God that it says he is after the image of him that created him who is all in all, which means Christ is everything in him. He's so much in Christ that Colossians 3, 4 says that Christ is his life. And we could go on and on and on. So he is in God. He is totally in God. Well, and you can, that's why we find he has a peace of God. He has the joy of the Lord. He has the righteousness. He has holiness. He's holy, blameless, and all these wonderful things. Blessed with every spiritual blessing, has the anointing of God, has the power of God. We can just go on and on and on. Isn't that right? But he also has, he, the conscience that is connected to him is also in God. In other words, your new man lives in the presence of God. That's where he lives. He lives in the presence of God. He lives in God. He lives in the nature of God. He's one with him. Never to be separated. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Will never, ever, ever happen. Are you with me? That's already been paid for. But so is that conscience. And that conscience is so connected up with the presence of God, the one that is born again, coming out of resurrection. If Hebrews, Hebrews 9 verse 12 says that this conscience has been purged from every what? Dead work. How? By the blood. In fact, um, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse Lord you got to help me here you see when you're playing baseball you got to commit to the ball you know what I mean like you can't be there thinking Should I? no you got to commit swing you hit it you hit it I, I, I need to commit to this I'm kind of like <laughs> Hebrews 9 verse 14 how much more 
shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer themselves without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It is alive to God. Your conscience is so alive to God, your conscience, this born-again conscience, just like your spirit, lives in the presence of God. Now you've heard people, Bible teachers, you've heard some people teach that the conscience is the is voice of the spirit. I, I heard if you have heard that. And that's right. But that's, that is right. But now here's something. That is right. And if we would just stay with that alone, we'll be okay. The problem is, we'll say the, the conscience is the voice of our spirit, but yet we want our conscience to tell us about right and wrong and good and bad, and we want our conscience to operate from the, from the tree that God says got its nature from the devil. Let's put it that way, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the meantime, the conscience coming from your spirit, it only says what God says. Now, listen to this verse of scripture. Romans chapter 9 and verse 1 says, Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ. I lie not. And then listen to this statement. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. 9 verse 1. I want to make sure that in the Holy Ghost part is there. It is? In the Holy Ghost. That part is important, don't you think? Because in the Holy Ghost, there's only truth. Amen? Uh, it's only truth. So, in other words, then, your conscience testifies and attests to the truth. Paul says, look, I know I'm telling you the truth. How can you prove it? Paul says, my conscience bear me witness in the Holy Ghost. My conscience is absolutely 100% aligned with the Holy Ghost. Now, that being the case, yet at the same time, when we hear his voice, it's almost like this other conscience from, 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 from not from that new man, but from, that, but from that, that, that unrenewed mind, so to speak, wants to come and say, like it did to Peter, even though Peter had heard from God a little while earlier, it wants to say, um, but, 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 but. Is this, is, is this right? Is this wrong? What should I do? And they want to go into choosing rather than hear and obey. So the hardness comes up. You get that? But now Paul, I knew Paul walked in some massive obedience. Can you imagine you get stoned next left to dead and the very people that stoned you that same place where they almost killed you, God says, okay, get up. Go back there and preach. Can you see what I'm saying? You get it? Don't tell me. I mean, Paul says, I come down my life, be unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy, and that I might complete my assignment. Paul says in Acts 20, verse 22, when they were telling him, Paul, you go to Jerusalem, you know what they tell you, you know what they say, they're going to throw you in jail, Paul. All right? Every city they go, they're prophesying, the man who has this, and that is, you're going to be in jail. But Paul says, look, man, stop, stop, like, Stop wearing me. You know, stop wearing me with all this stuff. I heard the prophecy. But the prophecy doesn't determine whether I go or whether I don't go. 
And you know what he said in Acts 20, verse 22? He says, I go bound in the spirit. In other words, it's not what I think. It's not what I feel. It's not what I want. It's not about good. It's not about bad. It's not about evil. It's not about choice. I'm bound with the Holy Ghost. Right? Thank God, even though we got a, we got a whole lot of epistles out of it, didn't we? Amen. Can you imagine if our decision making is just when our decision? Actually, the truth of the matter is, this purging of a conscience from dead work is so that you're not making a decision from that place of choice, but it's just from the place of being alive to God. Because, however. I almost feel like as if I'm studying with you. <laughs> you know, really. <laughs> Honestly, I, you better not save this here tonight. <laughs> right? Now, this is, this is so, so Paul, so here Paul is this man of obedience. And by the way, Paul also said that part of his assignment and your assignment and mine was to make men obedient to the gospel. Do you know that? Do you know that? Not help them to make right choices. It says in Romans chapter 16 and verse 26. I'm just, I'm skipping it. Okay, let me read verse 25. Now to him that has the power to establish you according to my gospel, which is the revelation of Christ in you, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which is Christ in you, which was kept secret since the, since the world began, but now it is made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandments of the everlasting God, made known to all nations, for what? The obedience of faith. Amen? So Paul understood this difference. In fact, in fact, when you read about conscience, you're going to find Paul said more about it than anybody else. Because he had a revelation of it. Amen? He lived it. But yet he, has, yet he lived it, understood the obedience that, the, you, you know, like he said, one time he said when, when, God, when, when God knocked him, when Jesus knocked him off a horse and everything else, and, and tell him, get up, stand up. And then spoke to him and tell him, you know, I'm sending you, and I'm delivering you from the people, and then I'm sending you to them to set them free, to open up their eyes and everything else. Amen? Paul said I didn't consult with flesh and blood. You know what he said? You know what, you know, you know what it means when Paul says I didn't consult, consult with flesh and blood? Right? And, and forgive me if I'm just wandering around, okay? You're going to have to bear with me tonight. Okay, every, every night is different, all right? But Paul said it. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood now from a natural standpoint you might think that that means he didn't go and discuss it with Peter and James and John and the other disciples and talk to his mother and, and his nephew Mark and his family what do you think man God said he wants to do something. No, no, no. You know, he said he didn't confer with flesh and blood. Remember, it also says another place, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know what I mean? If you depend on flesh and blood and reasoning and logic, that's carnal. 
If it is dead works, if you don't pretend to cooperate in that, you will not be able to function in the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You will not be able to function in that dimension. So Paul was saying, and Paul is the one that also wrote in Romans chapter 8, that to be carnally minded is what? Death. Death. It, it, it goes down that pathway. So Paul says, when God called me and give me this assignment, I did not consult with flesh and blood. I did not, I was not concerned about what I think. And in another place, putting it in different words, he said, I didn't concern what you think either. He didn't put it that way. He says, he put it different. Matter of fact, he probably put it, put it even worse than that. He says, let God be true and every man a liar. Isn't that right? All right? In other words, Paul says, that's not where my decisions came from. But then Paul also understood, because we believe he wrote the book in Hebrews, he also understood how this hardness of the heart works. He also understood the, the, this temptation that we have. And how immediately, as God speaks, here comes that spirit of offense. You're not going to go to no cross. He understood that. And so because of that, he also had to mention, that, wait a minute here. If I am going to deal with that, because I'm vulnerable to it just like everybody else, I'm going to have to exercise myself to maintain a conscience, void of offense before God and man. Remember that? Acts 24, 16. All right. Okay, let's go back to 1 John chapter 2. Is that okay? All right. First John chapter 2. You see, sometimes we try to walk in grace, but we do so and we stumble around and we stumble over the same stumbling block. And it's the same issue about right and wrong. Works. We try to walk in grace, but yet we somehow or the other still allow comparisons. We still allow reasonings. We still allow a whole lot of stuff that comes and hinders that grace from operating in it. In the meantime, we are told in, I think, 2 Timothy 2, 2, and I think verse 1, to be strong in the grace. And in Romans chapter 5, as we get to it, it says that we are to stand. We must learn how to stand and walk and even be established in the grace. And that grace is not just um, God's, it's not just unmerited favor and all those wonderful terms, and that's okay too. It is the very ability of God. It is the ability of God. Amen? That's the reason why sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under law. You're not under your own ability, your works, your performance. But you're under his ability. You got his ability now. Because, you see, when they were under their own ability with, with the law, it couldn't work. It didn't work. It could not work. And what did God do to fix it? Give them more law? 
No, God got rid of that sin nature that was in there. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might what? Destroy the works of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. And he that committed sin is of the devil. He that committed sin. And this is why Jesus came. God, first of all, took that sin nature out of him, crucified him, and then God put his own nature in him, Christ. That's how. Amen? And that is why now the Bible says that if you think that somehow you're going to fulfill righteousness by the works of the law and by your own self-effort, then Jesus died in vain. Amen? It couldn't be done. So, but, so what did he do? He put Christ in you, and Christ is the end of every struggle. Come to me that you might have rest. Okay. So, in first epistle of John, chapter, um, chapter 2, verse 20, so you receive an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Dare to believe that. Dare to believe that you have the wisdom of God. Dare to believe that. Then you got to dare. And you got to talk like it. Now, in fact, in fact, um, one of the things, and, 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 and I hear, I hear the Spirit of the Lord doing this, and I saw it last Sunday. Right? And that is to somehow not only teaching you to talk right, but also putting that spirit of boldness inside of you, that tenaciousness, that violence, that ferocity, putting that inside of you and pulling out every timidity. God doesn't give you a spirit of fear and timidity, but power and love and a sound mind. Amen. It is so very critical because the enemy is not going to just back off. You've got to make him. The strongholds are not going to just come down. They took a while to be built. The imaginations and the high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, not to mention the thoughts, that must all be made to bow to Christ in you, that life and nature in you, they're not going to bow except you make them bow by the weapons of your warfare. Amen? The blood and the word. And that speaking is critical. If the Lord allows tonight, we might probably do a little exercise. Just to see how free you are. You know you're so free. <laughs> anyway, we come to that. All right, so I gotta get I gotta get a verse, get out of verse 20. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all. You know all. You know all. Say, I know all. Say, I know all. I have the mind of Christ. I have the wisdom of God. Christ is wisdom in me. I know all. And say, I've not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. Oh, man, you know, everything you read is just pulling something else. He says, I've written unto you because you, I have not written unto you 
Because you know not the truth. But because you know it, say, I know the truth. You believe that? He said, you know the truth. But you know what? We're doubting whether we know the truth. You know why? It's that hardening of heart factor. It is that conscience factor. <coughs> you know the truth. You know the truth. You have the mind of Christ. You know all things. Your, 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 your conscience and your spirit that are living in God is living inside the truth. You are one with him. And you do know the truth. Say, I know the truth. All right, I'll come back. And that no lie is of the truth. Who's a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Antichrist that denied the Father and the Son. Whosoever denied the Son, the same had not the Father. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. Mm -hmm, okay. This was the thought that was trying to slip away from me. All right? Remember how it says, say, I know the truth. I know the truth. Now, you believe the Bible, don't you? Yeah. Listen, God said this. God said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, and he was quoting from the Old Testament. He said, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Is that covenant made? Yeah. What is this covenant about? I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Do you believe he has made a covenant with us? Yeah. According to that verse of scripture, he says, God says, he has put his law into your hearts and he's written it in your mind. So if you ask God, God's going to say, I've put my laws in them and I've written my and I've written it in their hearts and I've written it in their minds. God would say, they have got the truth. I put it in them. God would say, you know the truth. But yet, again, what happens? Now, if we weren't thinking, if we weren't buying this lie, letting whatever revelation come filtered through that knowledge of good and evil. Because when it filters through that, it messes up the result. We, and as a result, we don't have the confidence that we ought to have that I know the truth. I hear his voice. I live in him. The voice of a stranger I do not follow. How could God talk like that? Why could he say things like that? Because it is so. But now he wants you and I to recognize it so and then for us to start saying so. Because watch what happens when we start saying so. When we start saying exactly the truth. I'm not talking about some religious modified sounding that sounds good truth. I'm talking about the God truth. When we start saying and speaking and believing and speaking and declaring and proclaiming that kind of truth, that I have the wisdom of God, that I know all things, it's written in my heart, it's written in my mind, and when situation comes, we talk like that, here's what happens. The Holy Ghost, who has already been ordained by God, and according to Titus 1 verse 3, he will manifest the word. He will manifest it. He will bring witness. He will testify. 
to that end. Amen? But when we don't do that, nothing to manifest. Nothing to manifest. Are you with me? All right. Okay. So, see, I know the truth. So whoever denies the son, the same have not the father. Again, it's the same thing. We say, we say, um, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Well, one of the ways he can direct your paths, I would think, is other than the, is by talking to you. Isn't that right? Wouldn't it be helpful for your path to be directed because he speaks to you? Wouldn't that be helpful? Well, all right. If, that's, if that would be helpful, and you promise another heart in your heart. <laughs> if that would be helpful, and he says, in all your ways, acknowledge. Acknowledge what? Acknowledge me. Well, where is, where is he me? Acknowledge Christ in me. Acknowledge that he's made unto you wisdom. Acknowledge that you know all things. Acknowledge that you are righteous. Acknowledge that you are holy. That you are blameless. That you are without reproach. Acknowledge that no history has any voice to you. When you acknowledge the truth, what will happen? He'll direct. He'll direct the path. So is it then, if we're not getting the direction and the leading and the hearing of the voice, could it be because we're not acknowledging? Could it be? And is it true that, that, um, that um, the communication of your faith really begins to become effective and it begins to work when you acknowledge every good thing in you? Is that really so? Or is that just a scripture? Can you see what I'm saying? But look at how radical you'd have to become. To talk like that. You've got to continually speaking from in him. Speaking from truth. You're going to have to continually, quite frankly, speaking from the, yes, that conscience is the voice of your spirit. But it only speaks truth. It only speaks the mind of God. It only it doesn't go through all these comparisons. It doesn't operate like that. And you have to speak from that conscience. And that conscience is purged by blood. And what that blood does, Hebrews chapter 10 is going to go on to say, you are purged from the consciousness of sin. Purged from the consciousness of sin. Amen? Are you with me? And that conscience will actually respond to truth. It will respond to the blood and it will respond to the spirit of God. Both of which, the, both the blood and the spirit of God, you got to put it in your mouth. You got to do some talking. Amen? All right. All right. So, so let therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. And if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, I'm at verse 24, you also shall continue. If what you've heard if what you have heard from the beginning, and he is the beginning, by the way. So they have to hear my voice. <laughs> if what you've heard from the beginning remains in you. Well, the Bible says if you're here and you're not a doer, what happens? You deceive yourself. So when, when God's talking about here, he's also talking obey. Amen. 
shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. You're going to remain in him. You're going to remain in that vital fellowship and communion and oneness. This is the promise that he had promised us eternal life. These have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Concerning them that seduce you, all those lying spirits. But the anointing which you have, all that all the antichrist spirit, all that error, error, say error. error. Amen. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. That anointing, Christ, that speaking utterance of God to lead you and guide you, abides in you. And you need not that any man teach you. Remember, God says, I'm going to dwell in them. I'll walk in them. I don't have to run here and run there and say, know the Lord, know the Lord. They shall know me. Why? Because I'm going to be in them. And I'm going to talk to them. And they're going to know all things. They're going to have a conscience purged by blood. Amen? And as the same anointing teacheth you, what should happen? And is the truth, and there's no lie, even so, as it had taught you, you shall abide in him. So what happens now is when you hear truth from him and you act on that truth, and you act on that truth, here you find yourself functioning with him. That's how you stay in the spirit. You don't stay in the spirit because you made the right choices. You don't stay in the spirit because you fast a little longer. You don't stay in the spirit because maybe if I pray some more, quite frankly, if you believe you're praying some more and you're fasting some more and all of that is going to get you this and get, and, and get you these benefits, then that's a dead work. That's a dead work because you are trusting in what you do as opposed to what he has already done and who, who he is. Am I saying you shouldn't fast? Am I saying you shouldn't pray? Right? That's a dead work. My brother, could I, could I refer to some stuff from your text? Could I? Remember the text that you... No, 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 no don't give it to me now. Remember you, you, the other conversation on the text about various holidays and about works and being good? Can I refer to that? Would I embarrass you if I did? No, no, no. Okay. Because everybody here will benefit. All right? It says, therefore, in Hebrews 9, verse 14, how he offered himself without spot to God. In, how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works? To serve the living God. To be alive to God. Now, as I said, it says, even as he had taught you, you shall abide in him. Even as he had taught you, today when you hear his voice, obey. You're going to find yourself abiding in him. You're going to find yourself being in the spirit. Being in the spirit. Being in the spirit. Now, I'm going to repeat what I said. You're not in the spirit because 
you fasted or because you prayed so much or you prayed some more or or because you or, or because you 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 did some particular thing or or because you or or, or believe that God is going to do this or God is going to do that or I'm going to get this done because of what I do. If it is because of what you do, it's a dead work. All right. Now I don't mean I'm not. We, we, we are people of God here. We are humble. We want grace. Amen. We want to walk with him. We want results. Now, I believe it's very reverential, no disrespect, to, and we used to do it in the Anglican church growing up. When you come into church, kneel and pray. That's good. To acknowledge the Lord, that's good. However, if you believe that God is going to do for you because you kneel, or maybe because you stand up and pray, or because you walk and pray, or because you, no, then you're in trouble. Then it's a dead work. Amen? If it's because of what you do, and that involves giving, that involves finance, then it's a dead work. But, but here's what happened. Then you're not in the spirit. If sometimes you do stuff just because of, um, and I, I, I got to be careful here. When you, okay, let me just say this side. When you obey the Holy Spirit, when you hear and you obey, you'll be right on. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter, in, um, on, on Sunday, on Sunday and, and I thank God for that for my own self, okay, for my own benefit. I'm serious, right? okay? On Sunday when we were sharing the word, I remember, um, what was it? I remember I was right in and around here, and I was um, saying... I was saying, um, I, 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 was, I was thinking about why was that going along a particular way. And then I, I can't remember what I was, I was saying something or the other. And then I started, I, I started speaking in tongues. And then I got a comprehension while I was speaking in tongues. Right? And I actually said some of it out. Later on, I realized at the time it was more for me. And part of what I had said at that time was this. Was, was really referring to Romans chapter 7, which says in verse 6, but now are we delivered, now are we delivered from the law, being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of life and not in the oldness of the letter. The Amplified says, so now we serve not under obedience to the old code of written regulations, in other words, I'm not doing this because of what this and this. No, but I'm doing it. Why? But under obedience to the promptings of the Spirit in the newness of life. So what had happened here last Sunday is this. When, we were, when I was teaching and I was doing whatever, and I began to, and I got hooked up with the Holy Spirit in a kind of way that was beautiful, and then I just began to follow him. Followed or prompting. And because I was able to do that somewhat effectively, right? So what happened? As a result of that, I ended up over here in the spirit. And because I was in the spirit, what happened? The Holy Ghost manifests the word. You follow me? So because I was able to do that, and for those who are here, and you know you got, you know some stuff, some stuff happened inside of you. That was more than just what happened intellectually. Right? But that's the reason why. Now, what does this have to do with 1 John 2.27? That anointing abides in you and teaches you. And when it teaches you, when it prompts you, when it directs you, 
When you obey it, you hear you all, bam, you're in the spirit. And all that deception and lies from the Antichrist spirit, all of that deceivingness, so to speak, all of that error, and you'll be delivered and set free from it. You might not, it might not make sense, but it doesn't matter. Right? Now, I'm not saying that we are to become flaky and not let the word of God be a mirror. Not let the character of Christ and the love of God rule. I'm not saying that. But I am certainly saying that there is a maturity that we must come to. Right? Now, that is the reason for the praying, for the praying much in tongues and the praying much and the fasting. Not because my praying and my fasting is going to get God to do this and to do that. But because my praying and my fasting might position me to be a little bit more sensitive. So that I can obey that prompting. But then the more I recognize and the more I do what Paul did, which is exercise and practice making my conscience be in a place where it is free from offense. It's free from selfish motivation before God and before man. Free from what, 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 who I impress or who I don't impress. What you think, what you don't think. Preference and, 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 um, and, 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 you know, appeasing. And where you're free from all of that. You're free from ever selfish motivation. Because doing that will position you to not just to hear, to hear the voice of God far better. Because after all, because what you're doing is you're preserving that conscience which is the voice of your spirit. And you're not getting it muddied up and seared. Can you, see, can you hear what I'm saying? All right, now, I'm going to say all of that and now I'm going to answer a question that I'm... That, that was brought up with my brother over here. Um, my, my friend here sent, sent a text, and I've got his permission to share it, right? And, and the essence of the text was the fact that, well, first of all, based on his spiritual upbringing and so on, um, he, he, he's not comfortable, and he feels, you know, things like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and many of these holidays, are not necessarily um, of God, and they're somewhat pagan, and so on and so forth, etc. And, and most of you have heard those things. Jesus was not exactly born on the 25th of December, and all of these other things. Mm -hmm. Now, we can talk about that, and we can discuss that, and so on. But quite frankly, that doesn't matter. One way or the other, it doesn't matter. And every day we ought to celebrate. That really is a non-issue. Just, just to, but, just to, but, uh, but I want to answer that in the context of grace. That's one part. The second thing that he also said in that conversation, and this is what's very critical, was the fact that um, the good things that he has done for people over the years, and all of us have and all of us should. You know what I mean? But now you see, and we ought to do good. We ought to do good. But there's a danger of in do, it, it, when, when the doing of good somehow makes us feel that we are now in a better position to receive from God, then that becomes dangerous. That becomes totally dangerous. And then also too, and then the, the other part of that was, was the fact that, and that followed immediately after, the fact that there are all these physical infirmities that are happening, the doctors aren't sure, Etc. Etc. 
And so in there, there's a couple of things that are really, really goes crosswise with grace significantly. First, the issue of, of, of holiday, no holiday, what I do, all of that stuff. Now, Paul said something, and this is so very critical again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says, Paul says, I determined to know nothing, nothing among you, save Christ and him crucified. Paul was saying, let me put it in layman terms, I couldn't care less whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, I couldn't care less whether you celebrate the Sabbath, no Sabbath, um, Christmas, no Christmas, Easter, no Halloween, I couldn't care, none of it, I could, none of that matter. I, 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 matter of fact, whether you have the old Bible memorized, Paul says, I couldn't care less. But all that I'm concerned about, all I'm looking forward to see is I want to see Christ. You functioning in that nature of Christ, and you identify with his crucifixion. That's all that matters. So that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. Are you with me? To that end, in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, we, we know this verse of scripture, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, verse 8, verse 9. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrine. For it is good that the heart be established with grace. Not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied with. Colossians is going to talk about not letting any man beguile you. With all this stuff about holidays and no holidays in Hebrews chapter 2, in, in Colossians chapter 2. He said, don't get, don't, don't, don't get trapped with all of that nonsense. Because he said, you are dead to the rudiments of the world. And he said, Christ is all. He said, you are complete in Christ. So much for that part of it. But now you see the issue of works, where I believe, you see, when I, when I, you see, when, like when you just, just to see this infinite wisdom of God, you knowing all things, the ability of God being available to you, the sufficiency of God, which is what grace is all about. But it is of faith that it might be by grace. Amen? So all that is, in the, that is, that is all here, the healing, the wholeness, it, it has to be by faith that it could be according to grace. The Bible says, where then is boasting? It says in, um, I think it's Romans 3.27. No, yeah, Romans 3.27. It's illegal. By what law? By the law of faith. It's not what I do and what I don't do. It's not about my doing. It's about my receiving. Amen? It's not works. If it works and if it's how good I am, how nice I am, how consistent I am in church attendance, or any of those things, then Jesus died in vain. Amen? Galatians 2, 20 and 21, many, many other scriptures. There's not time to go down there, but that's, that's the essence of that. I am to expect God to move and to do things and for things to happen. Why? Because I ask in the name of Jesus. What does that mean? Based on Jesus and what he did. In other words, my attitude towards God ought to be, if you're going to do it for Jesus, you'll do it for me. Because I'm coming to you in him. Are you with me? Amen.
We all the time, we're going to pick up here and continue. I know they, they supposed to, you know, do the best you can with what you got. Let's plan for a moment. <laughs> right? I don't know if I should apologize or what. <laughs> Let's stand. Let's stand.